Please tell us the reason for your call. My internet is screwed up. You can't connect to the internet. Is that right? My upload speeds are incredibly inconsistent. You can't connect to the internet. Is that right? Yes, fine. Please say yes or no. Okay, got it. Please hold. Happy Mother's Day, focused as fuck nation. Love you, Mom. Get ready for a gripe rant. That was a little snippet from a phone call I had while I was trying to get my self-care Sunday live stream live. Took me over an hour to get going because of my stupid internet connection. I don't know what it's like in other parts of the world. In New York City, there's basically a serfdom of internet providers in that in my neighborhood, I can only go to one company. So they've got me by the throat. I'm speaking, of course, of Optimum Online, who might be more aptly named as Mediocrium Online. Anyway, as I wait for my slumlord of an internet provider to send me a new modem so I can get the speeds that I actually pay for so that I can get streaming when I have time set aside to do that. Today's episode isn't going to be the mental health awareness month epic that I hoped it would. I got an incredible interview in the can that I can't wait to bring to you with a woman named Emma who has taken a little bit of time off from college due to dealing with an eating disorder and has come out on the other side in a really powerful, awesome way and shares her story really candidly with me. And I think it's something that's useful and should be heard and is relevant, particularly given that it is Mental Health Awareness Month. If you didn't know, now you know. So in the meantime, I'm gonna bring you a thing that I promised earlier last week, which was uh, select excerpts about podcasting and getting into podcasting, getting into voiceover acting uh, for an interview that I did last week on my live stream last Sunday uh, for Self Care Sunday. I had the folks from Audio Drama Production Podcast come on and ask me some questions. I get self-conscious about episodes like this. They're a little rougher. I hope you enjoy it all the same. And stay tuned afterwards for a new announcement, especially if you're one of the people trying to start a podcast. In the meantime, here's my raw interview with the Audio Drama Production Podcast. So, hi, I'm Sarah Golding. I'm uh, one of the co-hosts of the Audio Drama Production Podcast and also a voice actor. Um, I've been on projects such as Winnebago Warrior, You Are Here, uh, Subject Found, The Box, and uh, numerous others that I'm trying to to play with. So, so yes, and I'm just outside London, uh, and it's currently about 8 o'clock in the evening. (laughs) And I'm Fiona Thrail, and I'm also in with production podcast. I'm also a voice actor, and I've done focused quite a bit on audio books um, and also some commercial things, as well as in the audio drama community as well. Edict Zero, and well, quite a lot of other. Um, small parts in various audio dramas over the years. I've been doing it now for about seven years, I think. So, um, yeah, gradually (laughs) doing more and more. And, oh, and I'm in uh, Bedfordshire in sort of eastern England. (laughs) Back and beyond. Super cool. Awesome. Thank you for for that. And uh, we have people saying, hi, hello. Um, (laughs) Hello. Hello. Hi to Um, your listeners. (laughs) 
And uh, it sounds like uh, you might actually be near some of these folks. Uh, we yes. got people in London who are tuned in right now. So, ah, uh, cool. Uh, near, in and around. Uh, Eloise W is just outside London, it sounds like, um, as well as, anyway. Um, Brilliant. That's where cool. I'm from originally, so hello there. <laughs> well, jump, awesome. jump on our forums and say hello one day. That'd be marvelous. Yeah, yeah super do, cool. Do. Yeah, you'll have to send me the link so I can put that in the, uh, the show notes. That'd be cool. Yeah, brilliant. And, um, yeah, if we could ask you um, for yourself, how did you get into voice acting and why? Did you have any sort of training beforehand? And So, funny story. I got into voice acting because of being really, really sick when I was a kid. <laughs> and what I mean by that is uh, when I was in the sixth grade, and keep in mind, this is like around the time um, I'm 27 now. So this is around the time when SARS was like a big, like in the news and people in New York City and around the world were like running around with like face masks to protect themselves. So I got a terrible cough. Right. And, uh, and it must have been like 2006 at the time. Um, I'm trying, no, 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 earlier, much earlier, like 2004, maybe even 2003, 2002. I don't remember. I'm trying to look at timelines. But uh, long story short, um, uh, there I was with this like awful cough and no doctor could explain it. Like they like tried everything from inhalers to um, acupuncture. They even gave me like an injection of like some kind of like something or other in my neck at one point. Uh, it, it was a really wow. strange seven months. After which, mm. when it finally clear, cleared up for no discernible reason, my voice dropped like 20 octaves to what a lot, very close to what it sounds like today. Um, and the joke in middle school, at this point I was in seventh grade, was I was Mr. Movie Phone. And, um, and which I, of all the things to get teased about, pretty great. Um, yeah. And, uh, and as somebody who at that point, I think I had man boobs and was just like the least stylish person I knew. And uh, oh. maybe with the exception of my best friend, who I think I hung out around at first because he made me look more stylish. Um, and <laughs> then we realized we both had the same terrible taste in movies. So anyway, uh, I, I say that to say it was completely accidental and sort of by the gift of, you know, my folks and, and whatever forces of the universe conspired to that I have the voice I have, that it put the thought in my head. Fast forward, uh, I, I wanna say like halfway through high school, I actually started to take the joke seriously and was like, what would it take to actually be a voice actor? Mm. And, uh, and my mother, who's a, a muscular therapist in New York City, has a lot of uh, people in her network and, and one of them happened to be a working voiceover actor and a coach and hmm. I had a session with her where she was very encouraging. Hmm. And the caveat was that I couldn't go to college. I, in fact, I'd have to drop out of high school and really push to take it seriously and to get the work because it's very competitive. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, my reaction to that was, okay, this, this is something I can never do then because hmm. my, my father was the first in his family to go to college. It was very important to him that I, I do that. So it was just not hmm. an option. Um, or at least it didn't feel that way to me. Right. And, uh, and yeah, funny story for people who listen to Wolf 359. Um, that cough that I had in sixth grade, 
So mm-hmm. I actually went to sixth grade with Michaela Swee, who, if you listen to Wolf 359, is another actress. She's an actress who plays uh, Hera, the computer s- yeah. system. And some boys in the grade had convinced her that my cough was SARS. So and she, keep in mind, she was like the pretty popular girl in the grade at the time. And, uh, and I, I just will never forget me entering a hallway and her seeing me, her eyes bugging out, covering her mouth and running from the room. <laughs> Which <laughs> honestly so confirmed shame. pretty much every neurosis that I'd had at that point in my life. But uh, <laughs> I digress. Um, so uh, so fast forward a little bit after that. Um, after my session in high school, I was graduating from college and looking at how the hell I was going to make a living and pay back mm-hmm. my student loans and all these things. Yes. And, uh, and I still wanted to get in voiceover. I had put in some time with uh, one of my best friends in college was the student head of the radio station and and so i had been able to do the jive at five your daily community calendar for middletown connecticut broadcasting with ten thousand watts of power and uh (laughs) and in many ways that was my lifeline to the voiceover world and later actually proved to be a bit of a hindrance in an interesting way but we'll get there um so Graduating from uh, school, I, I had another phone call with somebody from my parents' network who has been professionally doing voiceover, and, and the long and short of our call was, don't do it. <laughs> and his specific niche, because I, what I've learned is that there really isn't a voiceover world. There's like mm-hmm. 20, and each oh, one gosh, of them is yeah. tiny and highly competitive, but also accessible if you're targeting it specifically and if you have the right voice for it but uh and i don't know if that's something that we don't need to talk about that because we're focused on audio drama here but um he specialized specifically in the fast part of ads on the radio Mm. where they (laughs) right where you legally can't speed it up because it's like a legal disclaimer and yeah. so the, you can imagine what that phone call sounded like. He's like talking at a billion <laughs> miles a minute about how competitive it is and how little money there is and how it's bottoming out and how you should never even bother kid. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of gave up and coming out of college, I was a little bit depressed until I, um, by the good graces of my friends, ended up um, doing a, a sort of like life coaching program that mm-hmm. like a seminar that got me to sort of see opportunity again. And I got some great advice about, or just rather, my perspective changed. I had felt like I don't know how to get started in voiceover, so why try? Like, my problem was, like, I want to do voiceover, but I have no idea how to get started. It's a big hill, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Mm. through that coaching, I realized that, you know, if I turn that but into an and it was a lot easier to deal with because like I want to get started and I don't know where to start. And so it yeah. freed me mm-hmm. up to just start asking questions. Like I, I guess from the conversations I had as a kid, it felt like the whole world was telling me, no, 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 don't do it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. So anyway, uh, having that sort of freedom to go, oh, I can just ask a million people how they got started or how they recommend other people get started. And, and through that, I was connected with Eventually, I was connected with um, one of the best commercial voiceover teachers in New York City. 
<laughs> and I started taking his class. It was like 600 bucks. And after I did that, I started coaching with him one-on-one -on -one for like 120 an hour. So it was a big investment, wow. but I was spending the money that I was making doing video work to break into voiceover with the yeah. promise that it would pay itself back. And those prices aren't unusual, are they? I mean, that is generally... No, not at all. In so, fact, yeah. it was a pretty yeah, great value. Um, mm. And, mm. Uh, and you know, he's a working casting director, so he was actually bringing me in for professional auditions by the time mm. I was sort of at that level. Um, and, uh, and yeah... Uh, Basically, I kept doing courses and things like that, and eventually I was connected with my agency, um, which I'm now no longer with, but I, I signed with and was with for, uh, for a year, and it was the most exciting thing at the time. Um, mm -hmm. I'd spent a bunch of money. At that point, I'd spent over $1,000 on classes. I paid for a reel, uh, a voiceover reel. Yep. And so I was... Excuse me. Please edit out my burping. Um, <laughs> no, we're going to make a song out of that. It'll be great. It'll be fine. Because um, my tummy gurgles and whatever you're <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. So, basically, I hit this point where um, I was in the belly of the beast. I was getting maybe five auditions a day. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't booking. Right. And a couple reasons for that as I was, you know, sort of asking why one my voice is great for alcohol but terrible <laughs> for sandwiches and as a 22 year old i wasn't eligible for alcohol ads i couldn't do wow. beer i couldn't do liquor um so i couldn't sell people a budweiser or expensive scotch they can't afford which is really i think what my voice works for in the commercial world and for whatever reason when i'm trying to sell a burrito the quality of my voice <laughs> triggers the part of people's brains that make them feel like they're being sold. At least that's what my coach told me. Amazing. And I, I think I know what he's talking about. And I think it's just that slight polish. And I, I, I attribute that not only to my genetic makeup and just the, the nature of my voice, but also to the amount of time that I spent doing those radio spots yeah. where it was me yeah, right. alone in a room without any direction trying to sound like that guy that isn't what is marketed anymore. It isn't what is marketable anymore, except for really specific niches. Um, the most marketable voice is like freaking John Krasinski, the guy from The Office, who just sounds like he's just a dude. Um, and that's really what's hitting these days. And I don't have that voice. So how I found audio drama, now that I've taken like... 10 minutes to answer around <laughs> your question <laughs> um, is uh, is because all of a sudden in my Facebook feed, a friend who uh, knew I was doing voiceover hit me up and was like, hey, dude, uh, this guy's looking for a voice actor like I thought of you. And that was Gabrielle. Uh, the, okay. the friend was somebody, uh, our friend, mutual friend, Etris Hunt, who I owe mm -hmm. the last three, four years of my life to and just oh, all the ridiculous, amazing stuff that's message. come out of that. Amazing. Seriously, it was yeah. so funny. And I was in Gabrielle's inbox a minute later. Like You can see the timestamp. It's so funny. I hope he's got that on his CV somewhere. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and it's so funny because it's like, you know, there I was, I'd been doing, I'd started actually doing a different thing um, before Wolf, which was a, uh, before the sci-fi audio drama, I was doing a sock puppet web series. Awesome. Um, wow. <laughs> and, uh, and specifically it was called uh, Just the Tips with Ruffles, 
which was just <laughs> a bad joke. Uh, that sounds amazing. Uh, yeah, a dumb pun mm. gone horribly awry. I had had an internship <laughs> at a company called Howcast, which was all about making uh, a ton of ad money through video production for exclusively how-to videos, because over time, those are the most valuable, that's the most valuable video content online, if you think about sure. it. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, because everybody's gonna have to everybody who has toenails is gonna need to know how to cut them. So like, right? So long as it's an evergreen topic and you don't change formats from like standard def to HD to 4K, like that's the only time you really need to upgrade the video. Uh -huh. And provided it's mostly voiceover, you're kind of in a great spot. So anyway, so I created this horrible sock puppet series that didn't succeed because people don't like getting tricked when they apparently when they click on a video that says how to do yoga they hate getting a sock puppet telling them exactly how not to do yoga um, the sock was on your hand though yeah maybe oh yeah yeah, yeah it, was, it was awful it was great i loved it it's still online you can go to ruffles.tv um and it sounds like Fantastic. this um and uh, and my whole thing with that was to like show that i could do fun character voices maybe break into animation but without the pain of doing animation like the keyframing and drawing is not my mm -hmm. skill set um, I see puppetry as a lo-fi way to, to make a similar kind of content and stretch those muscles creatively. Sure. And so I jumped at the opportunity to get on a narrative train with Gabrielle Urbina mm, when yes. that Good opportunity choice. came along. Good chance. I'm going to shut up and let you ask another question. <laughs> no, well, it's all brilliant because this is so important to fathom. You know, there are so many different routes into doing these things. And, you know, it and can be a chance call, a chance message somewhere. Yeah, and in fact, the way that you've done it is the way that is so often recommended, you know, to get the mm. training in, make sure that you're, you know, really going at it in the right way, which is brilliant. <laughs> and I'll tell you this, you know, for as much as it could feel like a waste of time and money, on the uh, the sort of course cycle and you know just paying for all that training for commercial voiceover without a ton mm -hmm. of results. One, I think I've finally reached a point where I've paid myself back on that investment 100% mm -hmm. and maybe a little bit more. Yeah. Um, not a, a ton more, uncomfortably, <laughs> but um, you know, because like by the time you're done with pay to play sites like voice123.com and all these things. Mm -hmm. Anyway, yes. this is about audio drama, so let's keep it focused on audio drama. Well, actually, um, just regarding with your, the characters that you do play, I mean, obviously yeah. there's the, 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 the two main ones that we've, we've mentioned already. I mean, when you are about to record, how much acting warm-ups do you do? Do you um, do any specific rituals before you start recording now? <laughs> right. Uh, the last thought on the, uh, the course front, the biggest thing that it taught me is how to be in a studio. Like how mm -hmm. to, the etiquette of working with a sound engineer, like, you know, not touching the mics unless they give you permission, like how, how mm -hmm. the distance to be away from the mics. It was, it was a great experience in that regard, being able yep. to come into a studio and feel at home. Mm -hmm. Now to answer your question about how much prep do I do for, uh, for getting into a Wolf 359 session, mm -hmm. it really depends. You know, when I'd started out, I hadn't done a lot of uh, narrative character acting so mm -hmm. my process reflected that and so i didn't do a ton of that um what i did do uh was acting exercises with gabrielle uh sort of before we got to the studio 
Um, like we, mm-hmm. we had a day where we sort of did every character as Im- like Emma and I were improving our characters and kind of getting into that zone cool. of feeling those people out. Nowadays, especially in a cough heavy exercise, a, a cough heavy episode, or you know, I think Eiffel's near brushes with death. <laughs> mount the number of episodes where he doesn't have that happen um (laughs) and uh and so yeah so doing basically what you would do for singing which i've done a little of of just like kind of pursing your lips and you know humming i don't know how it'll sound go for it sort of like going up and down the scale with that like like flappy lip Mm -hmm. thing um um you know Ma 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 ma. And, you know, working up a scale and down, and like yep. uh, doing things with like open vowel sounds. That that sort of a thing um, is helpful to just kind of get things warmed up. But I don't do a tremendous amount of that typically. Mm-hmm. And regards to like food and drink, are there any things that you would <laughs> definitely have or definitely avoid? Yeah, I'm the recording? worst person to talk to about that. I got a friend <laughs> who's a musician who's like really good about that stuff. And I don't know, I've heard everything that I like is bad for me. And I guess I like it too much. <laughs> but then life wouldn't be as fun, would it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, uh, at this point, coffee is a mainstay of my diet. Um, one cup a day. I don't know. I've been good today. I've only had tea. Um, but, uh, cause it's a little acidic, but I think that's really the worst part of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've been told no coffee, no hot stuff, no alcohol. I really don't drink that much, so it's not really a problem there. Um, but coffee and, and tea are like the two things that I have trouble avoiding. And I, and when I have water, I love, I love cold water. So, uh, mm-hmm. and the, all those things are like not great, but I don't know. I don't smoke. So like there's that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And, um, do you have at the moment an agent or would you want one or is that something that's you know currently in your so when i yeah so i'm not currently represented um Mm -hmm. i'm in the process of finding new representation Um, Mm -hmm. i'm talking with the people that i was previous i was previously represented by atlas talent who were wonderful Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a smaller spot that's all, that has an office in both New York and LA, um, mm-hmm. and uh, they're not the largest agency, but they they've got sort of a family vibe. Um, cool. And uh, like I said, when I was with them previously, I wasn't 25, so I wasn't really booking things because most of the work wasn't quite a fit. Um, mm-hmm. And the reality is, while I was signed with them, the only money I made and and where I've been making any of my money was uh, was basically through non-union work. Um, mm-hmm. There's a ton of marketplaces online. My first gig that I think up until recently had been my highest paying uh, thing was this really creepy uh, company that like, <sighs> basically, let's just say you might hear from a Zach robot at some point. I can't really say more than that oh, because wow. of NDAs. But uh, <laughs> if you ever have somebody calling you that sounds a lot like me, Asking you about some kind of special offer. <laughs> it sounds more intriguing by the minute. Anyway, it does. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, uh, I had some weird jobs like that. And then more recently, and I don't know, it's unclear because nobody really tells me, but like, I have a sense it's because somebody's listened to Wolf that like, I'll get pulled in for like an internal ad at a bank, um, like something that they're doing for like, a rollout internally that's not a public like I haven't had like 
with the exception of Flamestower, I was their TV ad voice. Uh, it's a product cool. that lets you charge uh, cellular devices, USB devices, using a campfire. Um, and wow. uh, there was like a yeah, like a, a West Coast production company hit me up, and we did that. Ooh, and I was on a TV ad in Iowa to knock down a Republican candidate last last fall. <laughs> It wasn't oh. against Trump. I wish it was. Lord knows. We certainly oh, could have used it. Um, yes. But it was against the local candidate who I hope lost. I, I didn't actually check. Fantastic. <laughs> and so regarding your, your preparation back for sort of, um, voice work, how much work do you do on a script before it's first read through? Just for the people, one second, for the people on my live stream, if you are a Republican, I don't mean that as a slight <laughs> to your political <laughs> views. I just know I was dating somebody who was from Iowa, and I know the local elections were superheated, mostly about defunding Planned Parenthood, which is, I think, a basic human right. And we can talk mm-hmm. about it. Please don't leave the channel because you think I disagree with you politically. Stay and talk to me because I want to have a conversation. It's go, more important than ever, mm. especially in this country in America, that we be able to have open, frank dialogues and be able to hear each other out. And I want to hear what you have to say. So yeah, thank cool. you for being here and listening. I think okay, not only I'm the back. US, the UK is going through its own and we've just oh, yeah, the whole world. Totally. So it's going, it's all very exciting. Um, yeah. But yes, so how, how much work do you do on a script before its first read through? Do you kind of highlight lines? Do you spend work on you know, playing with the lines before? So do you get a lot of time? I wish that I could. So uh, at Wolf 359, we rarely have a ton of time to go through stuff before the table read. So, so how mm-hmm. we do, how we do, uh, how we make the sausage is uh, yeah. Gabrielle and Sarah or I or whoever's writing, sometimes Emma, will write an episode. Um, yeah. Basically, we'll do a table read and mm-hmm. then one or two rehearsals after we do a table read and, and punch have time to punch everything up. And then the next time we meet will be in the studio. Mm-hmm. So typically... Before the table read, we have no time to read it. Um, it's just fresh off the press. I've had days where Gabrielle has literally brought us hot scripts from the printer. Um, and uh, and the point of those is just for the writer to hear it aloud. It's for their benefit. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, it's basically about just listening to the words out loud. Um, yeah. Sorry, one second. Yeah. Um, the point of it is uh, so that the writer can hear typos or weird things or you know just stuff that's not working mostly listen for like where can we cut stuff um, yeah. and so <laughs> yeah <in> my life. <laughs> so, uh, so that's the table read and it's there that we sort of figure out what people are trying to do and, mm-hmm. uh, and anyway I, f- I find that to be a good place to do that work of like, what are we thinking about? What are we talking about? What is it supposed to sound like? And I will usually read it through like once more after that, before our next rehearsal. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and Gabrielle and I work together pretty closely every week. So like, usually we'll have a conversation about things where it could what I should have in mind and where I should kind of, you know, be what I should be thinking about. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, great. does that answer your question? Yeah, just yeah. because oftentimes you do find that, you know, there's hardly uh, any input other than the script for some audio dramas you get involved in. And so it's very much your domain to decide kind of 
how you're going to go with it. So I, I just find it fascinating how each project has its own ways of working depending on, on the production mm. house. Mm. Yeah, so, and yeah. do you get much um, feed, sort of, do you get any sort of external feedback at all? Do you ever get in someone to listen as a director or producer? Gabrielle. Who, right, yeah. yeah. And Gabrielle Urbina is, I, you know, I haven't done a ton of acting and I haven't worked with a lot of directors, but I've worked with some. Mm -hmm. And I've, as a, a student of film and as somebody who loves movies, um, I've seen a lot of behind the scenes things. And all mm -hmm. I can say is it is a privilege to work with somebody like Gabrielle and the, yeah. the kind of patience that he brings to the room mm -hmm. and the, the playableness of the feedback. I know that at least in the commercial world of acting, it is a terrible, terrible sin of um, of like certain scripts and mm -hmm. uh, certain uh, sort of like recording engineers that like the notes are not things that an actor can do much with. Like, you know, just do it better, like, you know, is what it kind of comes down to, which is like, but what does that mean? Um, like, what are you going for? And so it's just a privilege to work with somebody who knows exactly what he's going for and has mm -hmm. really put in whatever he's done to be able to communicate it effectively with actors. It's just remarkable and, and, and really great as an actor. So it's a really positive working environment then on Wolf um, 359. Because it certainly yes. comes across, uh, you know, when you're <sighs> listening to it, it does feel fun, doesn't it? It does have, it definitely comes across that you are all on in in that sort of confined space together. That's awesome. Um, I'm thrilled to hear that. And, and I think we were all learning. Like, we, we talk explicitly about Wolf 359 being our production grad school. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and what I mean by that is... We all went to film school for the most part, at least myself, yeah. Gabrielle, and Sarah Shackett. We were all in the same film program. Sarah and I were the mm -hmm. same year. Gabrielle graduated one year later. And this has been a chance for us to stretch our muscles in different ways. Um, mm. and, uh, and I know there are parts of season one that sound like I'm reading a piece of paper. Um, <laughs> you know, like I, I'm not uh, in any way, shape, or form, uh, whatever the word of having an illusion. I'm not disillusioned about that. I don't have any illusions. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, I think we all learned, like I definitely learned how to act over the course of these many, many episodes. I think we have 50 in the can now. Uh, we just recorded the first four of season four recently. So that's Yay! been exciting. Did you hear that collective scream across the world? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so cool because how did you because you obviously do a lovely Russian accent I, I love accents mm. I do a plethora of them so how, how did Hilbert come about was that just that you naturally fell for both those parts or that's a great question um, well so I had uh, been so mostly it was the god of necessity uh, we were casting for the thing like originally it was uh, Gabrielle's dream to have this be a one-man show because he was mm -hmm. sick and tired of waiting mm -hmm. to have work online and, uh, <laughs> and we didn't want to go through casting and do all this stuff and I was just like you know what like I read the pilot I like the pilot I'd love the pilot if it was an ensemble <laughs> cast because these people are great 
And the gimmick was going to be that we think that this guy is like put out by these horrible people, and it turns out he's the horrible person over the course of like six to ten episodes, <laughs> and uh, a little bit more like Night Vale with one voice and like other people sort of in the periphery. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And I just felt it was we were going to lose a lot in that. And so as we were casting, the one my selfish desire to want to do more. Um, <laughs> led to that but also our our selfish <laughs> desire as co-producers to not want to cast anymore um mm -hmm. was great and uh and yeah i luckily got uh, a a crash course in doing a russian accent um i was obsessed with accents when i was little and when i was mm -hmm. 14 my best friend at the time was going to visit his orphanage he was adopted in in the south of russia and mm -hmm. I went with him and his family. And oh, his uh, wow. Ukrainian uh, sitter, babysitter at the time, gave us some, some le Russian lessons. And I learned to roll my R's and all these things that uh, have <laughs> served me years later. Awesome. Wonderful. And you said um, earlier that many of you had been to film school. Um, what would What are the kind of differences in technique and in how you approach things as a voice actor as opposed to a visual actor? I really, uh, I didn't do much film acting. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, the only thing I can say is I take a very physical approach to acting in general. Like the few mm -hmm. times I was for, like forced into acting because we'd all go out as groups of three with a camera and one of us would have to act. Um, I just like kind of jump into things. I was a pretty terrible athlete when I was younger, um, <laughs> but I think I have the... The mindset for it even if i don't have the body for it um so uh so yeah and it comes across in wolf with like scenes where like things are supposed to be shaking like i will shake and i set the tone in the room for like like you know zach labresco like when he came on the show was matching me sh like shake for like that sort of a thing um so anyway uh does that answer your question <laughs> so what, what are your top tips for etiquette uh, a remote recording with other actors so if you've done your table you're potentially in the room with other people there are yeah. any do's and don'ts of i'll tell you something i learned the hard way um so early on it was just me and um emma Sherjarko. even gabrielle wasn't there he was in la early on so we were mm -hmm. directing each other mm -hmm. fast forward to um our room now I gave Zach Labresco a note, um, and I, honestly, like I, we hadn't set up a context that I was directing, and well, we talked about it later. And it's something that, like, as an actor, it's a faux pas, especially in in theater. And he's an incredible Shakespearean actor, and it's just not something that you do, um, and that's something that I didn't know. Um, and uh, and so it, I think it is useful to sort of clarify roles and expectations if you're self-producing an audio drama in that regard. Um, and, uh, and I personally am of the belief that unless it's your equipment or unless you've asked, you should not touch the microphone or the stands or mm -hmm. literally anything other than your music stand. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, be on time. Um, <laughs> you'd be surprised how much of a problem that is. Um, okay, yeah. And... Uh, I don't know. Any more specific questions? Because that's kind of um, all I can no. think of off the top of my head. Yeah. No, no, that's that's great. Um, 
you mentioned um sorry please forget oh, that beginning sorry uh, <laughs> i guess the the, the uh if you do want to give somebody a note and you're an actor mm -hmm. and you're in the room with other actors the the best practice is to either talk to your director or mm -hmm. to ask the person you know could i offer you something or would you mind if i you know made a suggestion uh, rather than mm -hmm. kind of just jumping in and being like hey man could you just do the next one like this because um, it shows up as yeah. like a douche move right yeah thank yeah, so you that's good cool. and finally, so finally why should people become a voice actor if they want to that's the last question we have for you why hmm? why should they become a voice why should people become a voice actor I don't know if people should become a voice actor I, I mean <laughs> like in the sense if they want to they should because they want to um, mm -hmm. I don't like I don't know uh Maybe that's do a bad you have answer. any what what are what are the things that you most enjoy or maybe least enjoy about about that role? I love voice acting. There's nothing mm. I don't love about voice acting. Um, I okay. So here's the thing that sucks about it. Mm -hmm. You lose a huge dimension. I mentioned Zach Labresco. He is a ferocious performer, and putting him in audio flattens the thing like you just miss his mm. eyes and his, you know just like same with cc these people these are people who've put in thousands of hours into their training and development with mm. clown work and like all sorts of incredible modalities and methodologies and all these things that really shine through their entire bodies and you lose that entire dimension in audio yep. that said mm -hmm. as a youtuber who was recently found out that he's going bald I am really excited about, you know, growing old with voiceover because in a way that I think I will become visually irrelevant to the Internet. I think that I can stay auditorily relevant uh, well past whenever YouTube's successor or whatever the hell, you know, video online looks like in 10, 20, well, 30 years. I don't years. think people will be looking at your bold patch, though. <laughs> I don't think it'll be a patch by then. I'm probably going to shave it all. Um, and then I'll look both like Eiffel and Hilbert at various points in the <laughs> canon of Wolf 359. Be a campaign. Be like Zach. Shave everything. Yeah, it's whatever. Yeah. You know, it's just I... I I've come to terms with it. I think there's still moments of self-consciousness, but I think that that's a beautiful thing about voiceover is it really frees you up to play in the truest sense any role. You're not yeah. bound by gender. Yeah. You're not bound by age. You're not, and not that you're bound by those things either, but mm -hmm. it, it unhinges the visual coding of who you are for your audience because they can't yeah. see you. And in terms of Wolf 359, it's, al it's allowed for an incredible universe of different shapes, sizes, colors, and creeds of what Eiffel and, and the rest of the cast and crew might look like. And it's amazing. Yeah. That's and what I that's love, actually, I, seeing yeah. the, the visual cartoons and drawings that people have done of various shows and their imagining yes. of characters is amazing. I love that. More of that, please, work. Mm. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> This has been Focused as Fuck, brought to you by Kinda Evil Genius Productions. Music in this episode is by Poddington Bear from freemusicarchive.org. And I'm your host, Zach Valenti. So on Friday night, I took several hours to start to piece together an epic medium post that is going to have my tips, tricks, tools, and other technical info on how to start a podcast. If you're somebody who has wanted to start a podcast or somebody who's 
started a podcast and feels in over their head and would like some technical advice or have just general questions about really anything other than content, because I just don't know enough about all the various things that you could make a show about. So I'm focusing on the tech stuff that I have learned. Please hit me up on Twitter, at Zach Valenti, with your questions. I'd love to know and fill in any blind spots in this gargantuan post. I, I, I wonder, I, what if I got a word count? Word count. I'm talking almost 5,000 words. So definitely hit me up on Twitter with any podcasting-related questions you have. Look forward to that blog post sometime in the next week or two once it gets uh, a good grammar pass. Check out the Audio Drama Production Podcast in the meantime. You can find it on iTunes. Please subscribe, rate, and review this show, Focused as Fuck, and share it with anybody you think might like it in your life. And if you think it'd be fun to hang out live, join me next Sunday afternoon, Eastern Standard Time, probably around 3, 4 p.m., for Self-Care Sunday Live. You can go to Zach.Live, which will take you to my YouTube channel, find that subscribe button, and smash that with your mouse or finger, as the case may be. And once you do, you'll see a little bell. Hit that bell, set up notifications, join the notification squad so you're one of the first people to know when I go live or upload a video. It's a cool thing to do, and I really appreciate it. And as always, thanks for listening, and until tomorrow.